Wow, thank you, Janet Lee. That certainly was a connector to the prayer Jesus said to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it has to be the will of God to sing and play these kind of songs about the kingdom of God. God bless you. And hello, everybody out there. This is number 20 of the Astounding Bible Revelation of the Universe. And today is Sunday, November the 11th, the year 2012. And we are going to continue with this epic subject about the revelation of the universe. And don't forget the very title from the beginning was the Astounding Bible Revelation. And what is more astounding than this recent teaching that we are doing about the invisible Bible? Oh, wow. Who ever heard of such a thing? Well, just because there are people that haven't heard of it doesn't make it actual. How much gold and oil and minerals have been under the feet of people who ignorantly were not aware of it, only to later have someone come along, discover it, and become millionaires and billionaires. Not that that is the goal, but the point is made that there is a treasure grove, a treasure trove of incredible things of God, pearls of great price, And they have not been discovered by the people of God. They have been, in a sense, a kind of lost part of the gospel. And God has caused a rushing in the mulberry bushes. And there are designated individuals of God. We call them the destinata. And they can hear this rustling and rushing of the Holy Spirit. It's that same Holy Spirit that in the book of Acts, the first chapter, describes the, the, the descent and the up ascent of the Holy Spirit as a mighty rushing wind filling all the house where they were sitting. We want to talk about that today, along with a lot of other things. God help me to get as much of this in as will be possible. Our secondary subjects, which we call subtopics, of course, is is the last dragon. And we talked about the five strings of resonance, and we named them the string, the string of the great star dragon. Uh, past of the angel wars, to the string of the uh, primitive uh, earth uh, part of actual literal living dragons, and three, the string of the dragon of the principality of darkness uh, from Adam to present time, and of course that's an ongoing, and number four, the one that we're going to accentuate today, the string of resonance as to the genetic dragon resonance imbued into humankind. 
And then getting beyond that uh, into the aspect of the invisible Bible, which is a, another uh, subtopic, but a very, very important one with uh, super resonance. Super resonance that uh, <laughs> I believe is 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 going to you know cause a a spiritual uh revival uh and I'm going to call this a spiritual mind revival because I think that there's been all kinds of revivals uh where you know people have um, they've had shouting revivals they've had dancing revivals they've had singing revivals They've had uh, congregational uh, collection of people revi revivals. They've had revivals of um, uh, you know uh, topics and subjects that uh, that were you know being reinitiated, uh, although they'd been uh, initiated many times before, but they're being you know repeated repetitiously, and those were revivals to some people who had just fallen short of the glory of God and forgotten a lot of things. But this is a, a spiritual mind awakening, a spiritual mind revival, uh, this, this insight of the invisible Bible. And um, we, uh, you know, we're into this revelation. It's, it's, it's a, a really big, important revelation that uh, has to do with the... Um, with the curses and the blessings, uh, that goes you know all the way back into the the Old uh, Testament, and I've I've talked on, on it already some, but you know I'm going to uh, need to talk on it more because it is such a major subject. The curses and the blessings um, uh, go back to uh, you know the the revelation uh, given to um, Moses, but they, it, it existed before Moses. Because we find in the Garden of, of Eden that there was the tree of blessing and the tree of curses. And we find that, uh, that as a result of what happened in the Garden, uh, in the negative sense, that even the ground was cursed for the sake of, 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 of the individuals. So uh, it's, it's, it's not fragmentary. It's not just small and unimportant. It actually is uh, quite sensational of scope. Uh, there is no way to not recognize it as um, a major input that God is wanting uh, his people to know about, to understand. Um, you, you can't just live in the Old Testament. If you, if you do that, then you have no Genesis. You have no, no uh, creating of the earth. You have no uh, beginning of the first soul man, uh, the first spirit soul man, the Adam. Uh, you have so much that are foundational. So you can't just cut off the Old Testament and just deal, for instance, with the Gospel of John or the New Testament. You need the whole book. Besides that, you need to know what is in the book that you cannot see, that is invisible to your mind. And, and that's what this subject is about. See, I'm a real believer in the Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm just a real believer. But this thing of the curse and the blessings, I'll give you, I've given you these scriptures before, but let me give them to you again. 
is found in Deuteronomy 11.26, Deuteronomy 27.13, Deuteronomy 29.19, Deuteronomy 30 and 1. That doesn't mean those are the only scriptures, but these are very interesting and they tell a story about how that God said he took these two mountains and he said this one mountain will be the mountain of blessing, this other mountain will be the mountain of curses, and there is a, a passageway between the two. And, and on the one side, he had a group of people uh, reading the curses as the people walked through the passageway. And on the opposite side, he had people reading the bless blessings as people walked through the passageway. And that is such an important and relevant understanding of the whole story of the Bible. You know, uh, you, you, you can't get away from that. You can't get away from the Old Testament that said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. And how that Jesus uh, fulfilled that by nailing death to the cross and, and so that he could eradicate that death, so that people could come into uh, his resurrection and his transassimulation, and, and that he could put down uh, the, the enemy, which is death, which the Bible says will be the last enemy, enemy put down. Now, people get really confused about this thing about life and death and, and the relevancy uh, and its application. Um, you know, uh, pe people don't understand that, that there's more than one kind of death. And, and that has been a sore subject in the minds of a lot of people, people that do not understand regeneration. Uh, they, if they don't understand regeneration, they haven't read the Bible, they don't know the scriptures, uh, then they don't understand that the one scripture that is misquoted uh, because of, of mistranslation uh, of, of the verb, uh, how that, that um, uh, people are, are just trying to say there's only, only one, one death, you know, just one life and one death and that's it. And uh, if you happen to be a spirit, and uh, you're you're uh, an aborted baby. Uh, well, then uh, you know that's, that's not much much of 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 a of a of a chance or a life. And the Bible says in in Ecclesiastes that every single person in the race of life is going to get two guarantees: one, a guarantee of a time to live; two, a guarantee of a chance during the time they live. That's that's a promise from the Word of God, and and so. So we have to accord that there are in things that are invisible to a lot of minds. They just don't see it. Uh, part of it is, is due to brainwashing that they've had from just a very young person, which they have been told, here's the way it is. And a lot of that in, uh, information is incorrect and not relevant to fact, not relevant to, to Scripture teaching. So it's, it is extremely important that uh, yeah, these things become known and, and that they become broad broadcast. Now, uh, we shared a scripture with you last week uh, in the book of Isaiah 42.21. That is the most astounding, uh, you know, scripture. I have never, ever heard uh, myself, personally, anybody in my lifetime that has ever even quoted that scripture. Um, I, I, I would hate to think that it hadn't been quoted, uh, you know, um, but but uh, I personally myself had never had never heard it, and we were into the revelations about magnifying the Lord, and there's all kinds of scriptures about magnifying the Lord, and and that that uh, you know, in my opinion, 
uh, it's a, a most outstanding biblical revelation. Uh, it, it is uh, nothing less than sensational. It gives us an insight uh, that just opens up a gusher of revelation. You know, like Psalms 94.3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And Job 36.24-3, magnify his work. And this one of Isaiah 20, uh, 24, uh, or pardon me, uh, 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 4221, uh, which I'm going to read to you right now. Um, and here's what it says. The Lord, now this has got all caps, L-O-R-D, which means the Jehovah Lord or the Yahweh Lord, or as we use it, the Yahweh Lord, is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He's well pleased. Now, in order to understand what he's well pleased about, you know, is you have to you have to get the message from verse eighteen. Hear you deaf, and look you blind that you may see. And and so he says, Who is blind but my servant, or, or deaf is my messenger that I send? God is saying that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And the spirit of anointing has come upon a lot of ministry that that uh, they are blind. There's more than one way to be blind. There's a good side of blindness, and then there's a negative side of blindness. But but a lot of the people out there that are preaching the word, and, and they've been called to preach, but they have not yet come into the 30, 60, 100-fold uh, uh, resolution of the word of God. They, they they have not, you know, uh, entered into the Soundtron circuits as described in the 19th chapter of Psalms. That God's circuit goes out throughout all of the universe. There is no place that that circuit does not go. There is no place that the sound of it, according to the 10th chapter of Romans, that it has not been heard. And so it says... You know, who is blind but my servant, or deaf is my messenger, who is blind as he, blind as he uh, is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant. Now, uh, people get confused on this thing about perfect, you know. Uh, when you really do a study on the word perfect, you understand you can have an apple that's too green to eat, but in the state that it is in, it is an apple, but it is, but it is not perfect edible apple, but it is a perfect apple in the state of it being a, uh, uh, an edible potential that, that within a period of maturing, it's going to be a delicious uh, uh, edible apple. So there are these different stages of perfection. And, and, and the church uh, is like that. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're doing the best that they can. And that's a kind of perfection. Uh, they just don't have the knowledge. They just don't have the insight to know how to go, go over the loop. But, you know, this is the moment. This is the day. This manifest, a holy manifest revelation, uh, you know, is, is going to shake loose the, the foundation of the, of, of the clingers uh, that, that have been, uh, you know, uh, connected up intravenously to, to Old Testament law uh, that, that is, is more to the side of the curses than to the side of the blessings. And... Um, and so here we see the scripture as it, as it says that, uh, for verse 21 says, Seeing many things, but thou observeth not. 
opening the ears, but he heareth not. So there are people that, you know, they can see a lot of things. They have questions. They have wonderments. Uh, they, but they, they just don't know what the answers are. And, and they don't know of anyone out there that is teaching, uh, so that people can get into the truth of the answers. And, um, uh, but listen to this in verse 21. This is the most astounding. And this is the verse I'm referring to in which I said, I don't know of anyone else. I've never heard of anyone else preaching this particular verse. Uh, this is King James Version, by the way. Uh, verse 21 of, of uh, chapter 42 of Isaiah. Okay. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. And that's well pleased because he, he has he has given his word, hear you deaf, and look you blind that you may see. Now, he's not going to tell them on one side to hear you that are deaf and to see you that are blind, and then take off from there and start qualifying and, and uh, giving glory and praise to all the people that are out there that are deaf and blind. But what he is doing is saying, this is a word, it's a prophecy, I'm giving this word right now, and 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 uh, it is there as a generating uh, a spirit, a generating factor, uh, <clears throat> a generating uh, prophecy. And um, uh, you know uh, the people that have been blind, uh, you know, and and uh, ha have been living in the part of the scripture that says the gifts and calling of callings of God are without repentance. There's a lot of people that are in that role, a lot of people living in that. But he's saying, I'm prophesying right now that it's going to be a change, and I'm prophesying that you, you the deaf are going to hear. And I'm prophesying, and thus saith the Lord is what it's it's saying, <clears throat> prophesying that that there is going to be a scene of the word, because there's been a an invisible Bible, there's been an invisible word that people haven't been able to see, and then he tells about the way it is, verse 21, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the Lord. Now this is the this is the how to do it. This is the causation. He's going to magnify the law and make it honorable. And, and, and in the state that it is in, because it is not magnified, in the state that it is in, it is not an honorable law nor an honorable word. Now, practically, a big part, not all, but a big part of the, of the law that Moses created was you know, uh, given as a law before the time of Moses, uh, you know, going back uh, uh, to, to Babylon, to the kings of Babylon. And um, uh, so, you know, people don't understand when they, when they are doing things the way that they do them. Uh, on my Facebook, I just recently wrote an article in which I said, it's sad and strange that there are people out there in the political and church world that are judging individuals by the Old Testament law. You know, the basically, if they do a certain thing, they want them to be stoned and killed. They want them to be wiped out of the picture. They want them to be cast down the hillside uh, based on, on the judgment of the Old Testament law. But when it comes to their sins and their transgressions, they don't use the Old Testament. They use the New Testament and the grace and gentleness and love of Jesus Christ. What an unfair, 
what an unauthorized of God conductivity uh, of thought and actuation. And may God open the minds of these people who are so blindsided, so deaf uh, of, of the love of God and the knowledge of God, that is the sound of the soundtron, which is the well of God that goes throughout the circuits of the heavens, as described in Psalms 19 and in Romans chapter 10. So this thing is so important, and it further helps us to understand Matthew 3.17, when Jesus speaks about that he did not come to destroy the law. I'm not come to destroy it. And, 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 you know, just because the law is dishonorable, just because the law is, is uh, not magnified, what I've come to do, Jesus said, is to fulfill the law. And in order to fulfill the law, it's got to be changed from curses to blessings. And and so the Bible is saying, choose you this day who you will serve. There's a passage between the mountains. There's a, there is a passage between the mountains. On the one side, the curses are being read. On the other side, the elders are reading uh, the blessings. And you're going through the, the, the passage in between these two mountains. You have to choose by rendering to God what it is that you, you believe what it is that you, you associate with. And I tell you today, you want to be believing, you want to be rendering unto God, I believe in the blessings. Because there's two scriptures that by the mercy of God, two laws that by the mercy of God, they weren't, weren't really called laws back then, they were called the ten words, although there was more than ten, but it was the phenomenal input of reality that the ten meant. You know, which, which was enfolded around what the Bible describes in Isaiah as a sacred tenth. But anyway, you have to say, hey, I'm making a pronunciation right now. I, I, I'm rendering unto God the blessings. Uh, I'm interested in those two blessings that were allowed to be left in there in the book of the curses. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. First and second, two very great commandments. Wow. And so, Jesus said, I come to fulfill the law, Matthew, Matthew 3, 17. All right. My, we're just getting open, and this thing is going. Now, there are so many things that people are just blind to. But let's, let's suppose this scenario. Listen to this. Let's suppose this scenario. Let's suppose that suddenly on the earth there were frogs coming up, from the ponds and the rivers, and it just covered all the land. What would the Christians be saying? End of the world. End of the world. The second coming of Christ is about to happen. End of the world. Suppose that there were grievous swarms of flies, so grievous, so nasty, that they just corrupted all the land. What would people be saying? Oh, end of the world. The Christ is about to come any minute. The end of the world. This is the, this is the, this is uh, this is the, the 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 curse on the land. Wonder if there was a grievous uh, marine that was begin to cause death to all the farmers' cattle and sheep, and and begin to destroy a lot of the crops. 
what would they say if if there were uh, people that started getting boils with brain uh, b l a i n s brains on them uh, if there were great hordes of of uh, pest pestilence if there were um, uh, grievous um, heavy stones of hail that was uh, falling down out of the sky and it was so heavy and so weighted that it was it was killing any people left out in the open and uh, and it was uh, killing any animals left out in the open without shelter suppose there was rain and hail that came down and 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 it would run along the ground with fire in it what would people say Oh, this is the end of the world. This uh, anybody that can't see this, they got to be blind. They got to be deaf if they can't see this. This is the end of the world. Suppose that a storm of locusts came and covered the face of, of the earth and just destroyed all the green plants. What would people say? Suppose there was a plague of darkness, <clears throat> so dark so dark that it could be felt. And suppose there was a plague that came upon the people and their firstborn began to die. Well, what would people say? They'd say it's the end of the world. But what was the message? It happened. Described in Exodus 8.6. Exodus 8.24, swarm of flies, Exodus 9.3, the grievous uh, moraine, uh, killing the, the cattle and the sheep. Exodus 9.10, boi the boils with, with uh, blains. Exodus 9.15, great hordes of pestilence. Exodus 9.18, heavy stones of grievous hail. Exodus 9.23, rain, hail, and fire uh, across the ground. Exodus 10.4, locusts that, that covered the whole face of the land, destroyed destroy the green plants. Exodus 10.21, a plague of darkness, a darkness that could be felt. And, and Exodus, um, you know, 11.5, uh, the firstborn dying. What was this message? The end of the world? Absolutely not. The message was to the Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. So what am I, the manifester, saying to some of you people who are just getting so worked up, who are just getting so stirred up, so out of the style of what a Christian should be, when all the angels of God and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost would always say, fear not, fear not. Jesus himself said, not to fear, I'll be with you to the end of the world. What is the message? The end of the world? Absolutely not. All these things that people are quoting and saying. Oh my God, look who just got in for the presidency. Oh, that's the end. That's the end. That's a lie. That's a lie right from out of the pits of hell. That's not true. Oh, there's been some, there's been some rivers and, and, and ponds and lakes turning into blood. That's, that's a science, the end of the world. That's another lie. That's another lie. Look at all the earthquakes. 
Look at all the sickness. Look at all, look at all of the, the, the wars. Look at all the evil. <clears throat> they say it's the end of the world. That's a sign Christ is coming. That's not true. That's a lie too. Some say, oh, well, Jesus said that. No, he didn't. That's a misquote. The 24th chapter of Matthew is about the war with Rome against Israel and the destruction of the temple. People are making these statements, and they're not truth. They're lies. And what is the message? The message that God is giving to the world right now is let my people go. Because I want to tell you that God's people are bound in rituals. They are bound in mental medicines of theology. They are bound in, in anti-truths, in anti-faith. They are bound in the spirit of hate. There are people under the name and title of Christianity that actually want to go out and kill anyone that's not believing the way they do. Ladies and gentlemen, the message from God by the Holy Spirit is let my people go. The message from God by the Holy Spirit is Isaiah 42, 18. Hear ye, deaf, see you blind, let my people go. Heal them of their deaf deafness. Heal them of their blindness. Open to them the book. Find the one person in the whole universe who can open that book. Because there is only one and his, there is no other name given among humans and given among men whereby a person can be saved but by that person's name. And his name is Jesus Christ. Hear you deaf. See you blind. Let my people go. That's the message. And people are turning it into something else. And they're living in the weariness of illusion. They're living in the dread of fear. They're living in the confusion of anger. They're not trusting in the Lord God Almighty. They are trusting in all of the sensationalism of radio, TV, evangelists, church, pulpit evangelists, broadcasters, conspirators. I'm not saying there aren't some conspiracies. I never have said that. But I'm saying there are a lot of conspiracies that are false. And God is saying, open your eyes because the, the seals are coming off of this little book. The seals are coming off of it. And where is this little book? Who's got this little book? Why, it's in the hand of an angel. And Gabriel with one foot on the sea, which designates a certain kind of people, and another foot on the land, which designates another kind of people. And with a horn in his mouth of certain sound is blowing that horn and giving the book 
to the Lord Christ and to the servants of God. And the word is, let my people go. Hear you deaf. See you blind. Oh, glory to God. Can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Well, let's just look at a few fast things here that we will call invisible potential reality. For instance, let's turn to 2 Kings. And, and we can't read through all of this because we'd never get our sermon even partway done if we did. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story here. And, um, and verse 8 through 23. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel and with his servants saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Means he did it more than, more than that. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria, Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants, and he said unto them, Will you show me which one of the of the uh, which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, "None of us, Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber." Now, ladies and gentlemen. There is something that the anointing of the Holy Ghost can do. <clears throat> there is something that the power of the Holy Spirit can do. And the potential of it is absolutely astounding. It's part of the astounding Bible revelation that I'm preaching to you right now today, and I have been preaching during these, uh, which today is the 20th uh, episode. These are things of God. You, you don't need the CIA or the FBI. When the Holy Spirit is working and discerning through you. I know I had the experience in which I was able to see by a crystal eye experience in, in, into, the, the, into the White House and into the United Nations. And I was able to see uh, at that time, this is a lot of years ago, these plastic um, microphone systems that had been installed when the building was built. And I, I, I gave the revelation of that, and within just a, a year or two later, uh, that was discovered, I think the Russians discovered uh, by a sheer accident that these um, uh, microphones were actually in the wall, embedded in the wall, in, in one of their uh, ambassador, uh, you know, secret uh, rooms that they had for, for doing, conducting their, their uh, uh, national uh, business. You can reach across time. You can reach across space when the Holy Ghost is anointing you, when the Holy Spirit is moving like rivers of water from out of your innermost being. 
And there are churches and there are uh, ministries that will say, well, that's, that's for the Old Testament. That's not happening in the New Testament. Or, or that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, we don't have those gifts. What we've got is we've got the Bible to read about them. But, but that's all we're supposed to, to, to do. And, and you know what am I going to say to those people? Hear you deaf. See you blind. Let my people go. Let my people go. God wants to heal that blindness. God wants to heal that deafness. God wants to set his people free. Now, that wasn't the end of the story. And I'm sure there are many things that Elisha and Elijah did that are not recorded. Just like in the book of the last chapter, last verse of, of the book of Gospel of John. If all the things were written that should be written that Jesus did, not even the world could comprehend it or contain it, whichever way you like to put it. Now get a hold of this one. Second Kings six seventeen. Wait, let's go let's go back up. So the king of Syria decided they wanted to capture this Elisha. So in verse 14, verse 14, if you please. Therefore, the Syria, king of Syria sent horses and chariots and a great host. A great host. That meant a lot of people. And they came by night and compassed the city around about. And when the servant of, of the man of God was risen up early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Now, I really like how that says that. It didn't say, what shall we do? It said, how shall we do what we're going to do? What's the method you're going to use this time? <laughs> I like it. I like it. And Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, Open the eyes. Now he didn't pray. He didn't pray and say, "Oh God, oh God, help us, save us from these, this great army." He already had victory inside of him. He could read the invisible Bible. He could read the invisible Word of God. There was already a fulfillment in him. Hear you, deaf, see you, blind. It already had happened in him. That message, let my people go, had already set him free when he was out there plowing with 12 oxen and Elijah passed by. And the Spirit of God said, That's, choose that one right there to be your second in command. And Elijah said, get your work done, finish up what you got to do, and follow me. And this, this man could feel the Spirit of God. He could feel the message of God. I hope to pray as I'm ministering this word, this holy manifest word, being the manifester, that there will be people out there that will hear this word, that, that will be, you know, instilled with the glory of it, and will understand that this is the opportunity of a lifetime to hear the word of God, to see the word of God, of the invisible Bible, and to, to let that message be punctuated in you. Let my people.
people go. And Elisha prayed, verse 17 of chapter 6 of, of, of 2 Kings. Lord, I pray thee, open his eye. That's his servant. His servant didn't have the same thing. Although he walked with Elisha, although he did his bidding, he didn't have the vision. Just being in the same church building with people. Just being a neighbor to people. Just living in the same country with people. Doesn't guarantee that you will have the vision of which the Bible says without the vision you'll perish. He, but, but he prayed for him, said, God opened his eyes. Well, when he said that, he was saying, my eyes are open, I can see. I, I can see the answer, I can see the conclusion. But open my servant's eyes. He obviously was just a young man. And it says, and he saw, and behold, the amount, the, the, he, the, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Wow. The armies of God, the Mahanaim, were greater in number and power than all this gigantic host of the Syrian army. They surrounded the Syrians, and they surrounded Elisha. There was no one going to be able to touch him. He was under the divine protection and the fulfillment of the scripture that says, the angels encamp around about them that love the Lord. They were encamped around about Elisha. And when they came down to him, this is when the army of Syria came down, Elijah prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now we're not talking about spiritual blindness here, although that was also incorporated, but he was talking about physical blindness. All of a sudden this whole host of Syria became blind. And they didn't know what happened. It must have been a scary thing. And, and so it says, I pray thee, you know, smite them with his blindness, according to the word. And Elisha said unto them, now he's talking to some of the chiefs, the blind chiefs, the way you're, you're, you're going is not the right way. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But, someone says, well, wait a minute now. Didn't Elisha lie? Is this a causeway? Was this something that was allowed? Well, he was the man that they were seeking. So there was, there was a truth in there, but there was also a deviation from what was implied. God allowed that to, 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 to Elisha. He said, now, what you're doing, 
what you're doing. You, you know, this very example right here was copied in Star Wars. When these people uh, came into the city, and they had with them this, this powerful fellow who was in their world and in their language, you know, a, a top knight, so to speak. And when the soldiers of the opposite force said, what is it? Who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? Let me see your, uh, your, your paperwork. This person just said, uh, we are not the people you are looking for. You're looking for someone else. And then these opposite force people said, you are not the people we are looking for. We're looking for someone else. Pass through. So what happened there? He spoke this word into their mind, and that word just overwhelmed their thoughts and changed the course of their thoughts to where they were, they were just made... They were just made an echo. And this is the story that was first in the Bible, that was copied. And Elisha says, said, you know, <laughs> this is not the way. Neither is this the city. Follow me, I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Eli Elias said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And Elisha said, no, leave them alone. Give them some bread and water and send them on their way. And the resultant, in verse 23, so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. People, this is Holy Ghost stuff. This is Holy Spirit potential. What's happened to the church world? What's happened to the, the people of God today? Well, they're all caught up in these signs of the time. This is the end of the world. This is the judgment upon the people. And they twisting things around so that if, if something doesn't happen the way they want it to happen, then they twist the scriptures around to make it some kind of evil event that was predicted in the Bible. Why didn't they see that before it happened? Because they're not operating by the Holy Spirit. They're the kind of people that the Lord is speaking to that says, See you deaf, hear you deaf, see you blind. Because they don't understand the message. They do not understand the message. Let my people go. Let my people hear. Let my people see. Let my people see the invisible Bible, the invisible Word of God. Let them come and stand before me, and I will take off the seven seals. And I will allow them to read more than was just what on the outside front page of the book and the outside back page of the book, I will take them beyond that and I will open up the interior of the book so that they can get into the 60-fold and the 100-fold revelation. 
Let my people see. Let my people hear. Let my people go. Wow. Now, in Daniel 2, 2.49, we have another story. And I'm going to have to go through these faster in order to, to not miss getting all the stuff out that I want to get out. But it's pretty interesting what happened there. Because the king of Babylon had a dream. Have any of you listening ever had a dream and you wo woke up and you knew it was profound, but you could not remember it? Well, this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He had a dream and he knew it was profound, but he could not remember it. So he asked his magicians, He asked all the, the people that were advisors in his kingdom that were supposed to have the insight to these kind of secrets. And they said, well, king, tell us the dream and then we'll tell you the interpretation. Ah, he says, come on. You'll just make up something if I tell you what the dream is. He said, if you are real, if you are actual what you say you are, Tell me what the dream was that I can't remember. And they said, oh, well, that's not normal. I mean, whoever heard of such a thing? Expecting your magicians to tell you what it was that you dreamed. Never heard of that. That's ridiculous. He said, well, here's how ridiculous it is. You don't have this solution within a certain short period of time. All of you people are going to be taken and you're going to be killed. Well, it just so happens that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of, of, that, of that group. Although they were not like the people of that group, they were put in with these, with, with, with these uh, magicians and... and uh, you know, people that were into their magic, uh, so to speak, kind of concepts. And um, they, uh, they were going to get killed too. Well, Daniel immediately sent a message out and said, give us just a little bit of time and, and the Lord will give the answer. And God revealed to... Daniel, the incredible dream, very long and lengthy and full of all kinds of oracles and symbols and, and parables and, and, and futuristic prophecy. And that saved these people that were going to be killed, including Daniel and, his, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and it took them out of the, the, the placement where they were and they were put into a higher order over these other people and sort of made chieftains because the Holy Spirit was working in them and, the, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, here is a man, here is a man who, ha who the gods live in him. 
Do the gods live in you? Do the gods live in you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost live in you? This power is not just about some mythology. It's about an energy of truth, a reality of truth that has been bound in the, in, in the Christian religion because people have stopped before the gate beautiful. And all they can think about is their own needs and their own problems and they can't see the beggar at the gate. And one of the reasons they can't see the beggar at the gate is because they cannot possibly see how that that beggar could receive a word, let my people go. They couldn't understand how someone could reach down and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord heals your blindness right now. And that blind beggar becomes healed because Peter could see it. All these great men of God could see it. It is so important that God's people begin to be able to see the invisible Bible. It's so important. Wow. Then there was Jacob. And if you look at Jacob, you know, in Genesis 30, there's so many stories that are so great. But in, in the 30th chapter, and let's look at verse 37. It's so interesting. Jacob had a revelation. He never heard of this before. But it was a revelation about the rod ministry. And we've never finished the teaching here on the broadcast about the rod ministry. We've talked about it a little bit here in this series, but there is so much more to it. But Laban gave to him all the, 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 the sheep and the cattle that sort of were defective looking. But Jacob had a, a vision he heard that voice that says, let the deaf hear, let the, let the blind see. And he all of a sudden had this revelation about, about making rods. And he peeled back these rods made out of tree limbs. And he did it a certain way. And he put that before the flocks in the in in the the gutters where where uh, which were the watering troughs, so that when the flock flocks came to drink, that the effect of these rods was that they would conceive when they came to drink that the, that there would, there would be an effect on them, and this effect uh, from the rods brought forth 
the ring staked and speckled and spotted cattle, which was the, which was the cattle that was the kind that Laban was going to allow uh, Jacob to keep. And so he, he actually then became the possessor of most of the animals, all by a revelation. Whoever heard of a thing? Someone said, well, uh, okay, I don't accept this. Someone said, why don't you accept it? Well, it's not in the book of Genesis uh, any, before. Any, any other example? I don't see any revelation. Moses have anything like this about the rod. Some said, well, what about the rod that bloomed, the barren? Well, it's not the same thing. That's dealing with people. This is dealing with animals. I don't see no example. That's, it's not biblical. You've got to cast it out. Yeah, if you cast it out, what happens? Joseph doesn't end up winning. He doesn't end up having God keep him in the blessings. He, he's fighting the curses that's under what Laban is doing. Laban. So Jacob moved out of the curses, moved into the blessings by this revelation of, of, of the rods. Let God's people hear. Let God's people see. For God is speaking and saying, let my people go. This was all part of the revelation that had to come to Jacob so that eventually he could have the financial capability to take, take himself and his flocks and family and leave Laban and go back to the, his own country with his wives. So it was really about let my people go. That was part of the revelation. And if we go a little further into Genesis and to say Genesis 41, 14, what, what, what do we find there? Well, this is about a dream. It's about a dream of, of famine. And all of the other servants were not able to interpret the dream. But Joseph, who was in prison on a false charge, had the power of the Holy Spirit. And he interpreted the dream. And that dream, come on, ladies and gentlemen, made him second in command to the Pharaoh when he interpreted it. And he was set over the land making a survival presentation and, and saving up corn and, and all kinds of crops of uh, food, bagging it and putting it, no doubt, in, in maybe even in some of the, uh, the pyramids as storage. I'm sure that that's part of what they used. Come on. And what was the end result of that? The other servants were blind to it. They were deaf to any ideas like that. But if he hadn't have seen that, there would have been massive starvation in, in Egypt, and not only in Egypt, but going over into Canaan where his, his father and brother were. They, they ran out of food over there. They didn't have the vision. They didn't, they didn't have the insight. But Joseph had the vision, so 
those people ended up coming over to Egypt. And that was how the, the, that the whole story began of God's people coming over there and being taken care of during these terrible years of famine and protected from other invading forces that happened during that time until the day when a new king rose, a new pharaoh rose that did not know the, the children of Israel and the story of Joseph. And that's where the whole thing originated through the, through the upraising of, of Moses and the story to the pharaoh, let my people go. It went all the way back in time to connect. Okay, what do we want to talk about? Well, in the church and in individuals, there has been two main failings that I want to talk about that's happened. One is the failure of fulfilling the Bible's readable advice. The failure of not getting everything promised, everything potentially offered out of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit gift from God. And the failure of not coming into the full revelation of the blessings that belonged to the love of God. The church failed. Individuals failed. And they're still failing those two today. Now let's take a look here. Turn with me to the book of Acts. I've got to move. I haven't even begun to get into this subject. Turn in the book of Acts, okay? And let's look at um, Acts uh, uh, chapter 2. And I want you to see this. I want you to hear this. This is this is important. Acts two thirty eight. Two thirty eight. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto, is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. That means in the future. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Bible says many are called. Few are chosen. But the call is actually out there to everyone. This Holy Ghost thing is for everyone. If you don't have this Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit experience, then you're dwelling in that being blind, being deaf, environmental, spiritual realm. You're spiritually blind, you're spiritually deaf. And God is saying, let my people go. Let my people be healed. Let's look at John 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is one of my favorite chapters, of course, about the Father's house and all of that. But let's look at, at, at 14, verse 26. 
But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, he shall teach you all things. Are you there? Are you there? Is, has the Holy Spirit coming to you? And is the Holy Spirit teaching you A-L-L, all things, T-H-I-N-G-S? If you are in a position where you just are so lost and so confused and so unpunctuated and so unsynchronized because there's so much out there that you don't know and you don't know how it's possible that you could ever learn it is so vast. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not operating or thinking by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can instill these things into you. Just like these examples I gave to you with Elisha, Daniel, Jacob, and Joseph. Can just instill it into you. So that you just suddenly know to do it. Or know to understand it. Or know to, to, to actuate it. Or have instantly the memory of it. Wow. And so, here's what it says. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, this is John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26. Which is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is a Comforter. If you're whining, if you're crying, if you're blue, if you're depressed, if your obsessions are overwhelming you because of fear, because of confusion, you need the comforter. God's going to comfort you. If you're not being comforted, it's an excellent sign and proof that the Holy Ghost is not operating in your life. Because when the Holy Ghost is operating in your life, it will comfort you. It won't go out here. It won't be saying, oh, my God, the end of the world. Oh, look what's happening now in the political offices. Oh, my God. Oh, look what's happening with earthquakes and, and signs and wonders and all oh, the spring and all. Hey, that's been going on since the beginning of the world. That's been going on. The comforter is going to be like what happened with David, who in the middle of his enemies that were surrounded him. He just rendered that to the Lord and they, they had their feast and their celebrations right in the middle of that. Because the Holy Ghost comforted him. And the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring all A-L-L, things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you, if there was ever any time before the foundations of this world, as referred to in Job 38. And Job 38, 20, uh, Job 38, 1, and Job 38, 22. Where were you, the Bible says there in that verse and chapter? When the morning stars and the sons of God 
sung and shouted for joy. Where were you? And then it says, you know, for you were there then. <laughs> but you can't remember it. But the Holy Ghost will bring that to your remembrance. Some said there's no scripture for this thing about us being the fallen angels. There is torrents of scripture about that. And the greatest important thing is that the Bible says he will restore to us the years the canker and the cattleworm have eaten. He will restore to us paths to dwell in. The Holy Ghost will come and reveal to us all things. The Holy Ghost will come and restore our memory. And we will, we will remember the things. When Jesus said to his disciples, you know this. You know this. And Thomas said, no, we don't. We don't know anything like that. Even to the crowds one time, Jesus is speaking. And, and, and uh, he says, you know who I am. You know me. They said, we don't know who you are. But Jesus knew that they did. He knew who they were. He knew they were fallen angels. And people are so mixed up on that. They, they've got it all branded. Who, who are the fallen angels? Who are not? They don't understand that Satan's angels that were co-owned with him, they fell. They were cherubims. They were co-owned with him. They were one with him. And then there are, are the Ophanim angels that fell. And so if you mention fallen angel, everybody's got it branded as, branded as, 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 a, uh, uh, as a devil angel. But the devil angels were those that were co-owned with, with Lucifer. Satan's angels. Wow. Wow. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance. Whatsoever God has said to you. <coughs> Not just now. But before the foundations of the, of the earth. Before the foundations of this world. He'll restore that to you. People say this thing you wrote in your book about these, these dots, you know, and that there's all this memory of universes before. <laughs> it's the Bible. The Holy Ghost can bring all those things into your remembrance. He can open up these energy dots. He can do all these incredible things. Look at John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's not, that's not written like this. Now, howbeit, when the Spirit of, 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 of the Holy, when the Holy Spirit has come, he might decide to, to guide you into all truth. It's a possibility that, you know, if everything works out just right, that he would guide you into all truth. No, the Bible doesn't say that. This is a positive statement. This is a punctuated statement. This is an actual factual statement. When the Holy Spirit comes, John 16, verse 13. And, and I like this first word, how be it? Regardless of, of what comes before it, the judgment, regardless of the many things uh, that you don't know, when the Holy Spirit does come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. 
if the things that are futuristic and that are revealed to you are not true and don't come to pass. Well, that wasn't revealed by the Holy Spirit. I've got people say, I, I had someone talk say to me the other day, this certain person is absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt going to be elected. There's no question about it. I said, well, I don't think so. And I know people thought I was just some kind of idiot. But the Bible says in Daniel that God raises up kingdoms and he takes kingdoms down. We gotta we gotta allow this this business of of being the ruler of the universe to God. And quit quit trying to be the ruler in God's place. Quit thinking that you're the spokesman of God, especially when you can't get one prophecy right upon another. Because if the Holy Spirit is really working through you, it'll do what it says it'll do. It says he will show you things to come. And he will glorify me. Wow. For he shall, shall receive a mind and shall show it unto you. Wow. For all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. What's he talking about? He's saying, after I'm gone, after I'm not wearing the body of Jesus Christ here on earth. He said, he's going to, he's going to show you these things just as if I were still here and if I were talking to you. And he said, if I didn't go away, I, this experience couldn't happen. Wow. Wow. And he proves what he's saying when he's, verse 16, uh, a little while, you shall not see me. Because I go to the Father. Wow. Now, people don't understand the order. They don't understand the order. Let's go to... 1 Corinthians 15. Because we've got to understand the order. We, gotta, we don't understand the order. We don't know what's going on. There's just darkness. 15th chapter in the 27th verse. For he shall put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest. It's a holy manifest that he is ex accepted, which did put all things under him. What does it mean? Well, it explains it in the next verse, 28. And when the things shall be subdued unto him, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, then shall the Son also himself, that's Jesus Christ, be subject unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. The Bible says that the day is coming that, every, that all the works that Jesus said, I don't do this on my own. I only do the will of my Father which art in heaven. My Father tells me what to do and I do it. And I am one in Him and you are one in me and we are one in the Father. But He said the day is coming after we've finally licked this problem of the, of the enemy which is the last enemy, death, 
And everything then is going to be turned over and put under the foundation of the feet of the Father. And then the Bible says, come on, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it. Some of you people, don't you turn off your brain. Don't you turn off your mind. Don't you turn off. Don't you, you, hey, come on. You deaf ears, you blind eyes, you listen to this. And when all things shall be subdued unto him. When all things are subdued unto Jesus Christ. Then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, the Father. And put all things under him, the Father. That God may be all in all. And Jesus said, After, when you pray, how do you pray? He said, when you pray, here's how you pray. My Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you deaf. I would not have you blind to the spiritual insight of the scriptures. I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Ignorant means you just don't have the information. You just don't know. You just have, you're unlearned. I wouldn't have you unlearned. I would have you read the invisible Bible. I would have you be able to read the book that's been closed with seven seals. Not just the outside of the front and the outside of the back, but the inside of the interior. The part that's invisible that people don't know, because I would not have you ignorant. Wow. Verse 5. There's differences of administration, but the same Lord. We've got too many churches out there say, if you don't believe like our church or our denomination, you're headed for hell. God have mercy on those people. They are in the steep of ignorance. They are in the episode of a star falling so fast and furious from the heavens of God that they are like an asteroid headed for hell. I pray God spare them and save them and open their blinded eyes. There's differences of administration. There's different levels. There's 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. There's differences of, of, of the levels of revelation. Leave it alone. Jesus said, if they're not against me, they're for me. Quit trying to rebuke the prophets and, and, and the men of John, the Baptists. Leave them alone. And there's diversities of operations. There's diversities. They do things different ways. The Bible says there are paths. P-A-T-H-S, paths. One path can be different from another path. Differences of operations. But it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestations, holy manifest, of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another is the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Some person has wisdom, some person has knowledge, the person says, hey, my wisdom is correct because it's by the Holy Spirit. I don't accept your knowledge, that's not by the Holy Spirit. That's what you say, mister. 
That's where your wisdom ends. That's the limit of your wisdom. It's the same spirit. The same spirit. Just leave it alone. Render unto God what is God and don't make any judgments. Because with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. Wow. Wow. So, this is so awesome. So absolutely awesome. Let's look at uh, Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I'm becoming, coming as a sounding brass of a tinkling symbol. You've got to have love, agape love. That's the real thing, the real love, the sp real deep spiritual love of God. But there's something revealed here in that scripture. There's the tongues of men, but there's also the tongues of angels. Has the Holy Spirit brought you into the tongues of angels? When the Bible says tongues of men, that means being able to speak more than one language of men. Tongues of men. The different languages of men. And angels. Is there something missing from the church? I would say there is. This is the same scripture, the same chapter, the same book that has in it uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I, I know even as also I am known. It's incredible. This is where the call is going out on this revelation of the invisible uh, visible Bible. Look at, look at chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 1 through 2. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no, for no man understandeth him, However, in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Now, this has been so mistaught. People say, now look, you don't need to talk in tongues because the Bible says that you're not supposed to talk in tongues. We're not forbidding it. We're just saying it's not, it's not what you need to have. And that's because it's being misinterpreted. You look at, at, at chapter 14, verse 1. Or pardon me, chapter uh, 14, uh, 1 Corinthians, verse 5. I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except that you may interpret that the church may receive edifying. So what is this talking about? When some of these revelations are given about what you can't do in tongues, it's talking about you, you can't do that. You can't do that in the church. When you're in the, the church, you have to speak a certain way because there's so many people on so many different levels that they just won't understand. It'll, it'll be like a certain trumpet giving an uncertain sound. But people have taken that thing out about the message to the church. And they've made it so they have nullified the whole thing of speaking in tongues. But I just read to you over here in the 14th chapter, Verse 2, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with speaking to God in an unknown tongue? 
Because the, there's another scripture that says that the Holy Ghost speaks for you to God. It's a medium that speaks to God for you. And prays in a way that you don't know how to pray. And talks to God in a way you don't know how to talk to God. What's wrong with that? Well, no, you're not supposed to do that. Really? You need to get out of your deafness and out of your blindness if you're saying that. You need to get shaped up. Because God is speaking to his people right now. And the prophecy is coming on. It's coming. Hear you deaf. See you blind. It's coming. It's, it's, it's the ark with the revelation of the revelations. It's not the ark that has the curses in it. It's the ark that's got the blessings in it. <laughs> wow. Come on. Let my people go. Because what's wrong with this? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 2, speaketh not unto men. There's a wonderful opportunity to have a relationship, to have a language being spoken that's not talking to, he, to the mortals. You're not talking to the mortals. That You do that in church. And this kind of tongues message you don't do in church. It's not meant to be in church. But the Bible isn't saying, no, okay, not in church, you've got to just cut it off. Don't even do it at all. That's deceptive. That's of the forces dark. That is a foul, potentially evil interpretation. And there's an earthquake coming. And these people that are clinging to the limbs of that tree that belongs to the good and evil aspect, they're going to be shaken loose. They're going to be shaken loose. And though there will always be a few people that hang on, and maybe some of those people will still in the end be saved, as the Bible promises. I want you to hear. Speaketh not unto men, but unto God. No man understandeth him. How be it in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Someone says, I'd like to know about the mysteries of God. Well, you need to get in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can speak in mysteries. Someone says, yeah, but you won't understand. Oh, sure you will eventually. As you begin to speak those mysteries in the, in the Holy Ghost, they begin to seep into your, your, your subconsciousness. They begin to seep into even your chromosomes. Woo! I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Wow. You're going to be able to overcome the glass darkly. That is what this is about. Let's look at the same chapter, 14, verse 15. Let's, uh, let's start actually with um, verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown known tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I speak in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what is it saying? Is it saying don't speak in this unknown tongue? It's saying don't speak in, into it in church unless the intent is meant to be interpreted. Not always would it be in, 
it meant to be interpreted. Don't go into it with your, uh, all your top revelations that are deep and profound and try to go into some church body and try to speak to them and tell them that revelation. They haven't had the teaching. They're not ready for it. There's many other things you can share with them about the love of God, about the love of Jesus, about the repentance of sins. Some of the old stuff is still good. Verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you were exercising your spirit and it was praying? When you do prayers, who prays? Most of the time it's your body. And you pray out loud because that sort of comforts you that you hear your body praying. But wouldn't it be incredible to know that you had something happening that your spirit was praying? And is the spirit visible? No. Not without an exceptional thing to happen. It's just like the invisible Bible. You can't see it, but yeah, a lot of times you can feel it, though. Your spirit prays. This Holy Ghost is something that has not been totally taken up and, and, and the promise has not been lived out in the church or in individuals with just a few exceptions. My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. You aren't going to immediately know what the spirit is praying, but it will affect you You won't know about things that the Spirit is praying for you that it doesn't even want you to know. Of the things that it sees that's coming that it doesn't want you to understand or know. So verse 15, what is it then? Well, here's the answer. I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. You're supposed to do both prayers. Pray with the physical body and the physical vocabulary and pray in the spirit. Wow. I, I, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shalt, shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned saints, he's to back to this thing about in the church, how will he be able to say amen, amen seeing that he understands it not? It understands it not. So what is that all about? This thing on the limitation of speaking in the Spirit in tongues, unknown and all that, is about not doing it in the church because there will be people in there that cannot understand it. God will not, if you do that in the church, he'll not even allow your understanding to be fruitful because his blessing is not upon you using the gift that way. Wow. Woof. Now, turn to Job 37. Here's what Job 37 says. And this is so important. So very, very, very important. 37.7. It says that God sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. 
Well, what's another scripture that is very similar to that on a parallel subject? Well, don't lose your place there in Job. But when you get into the book of John and you look at, 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 at John um, chapter 1, verse 9, what does it say? Here's what it says. He was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. So we have two guarantees. We have the fact that every man, every man that's born on, on this earth, there's a light that has lit him up. And that this is because the kingdom of God comes without observation. Every person has that kingdom of God within. And then there's another promise. That God, in Job 37, 7, says that he seals the hand of every person. He has set a fusion, even in our, our mortal chromosomes, so that we can be distinguished and differentiated from being beast. And so that we can become entities by having a Holy Ghost potential within our bodies through the kingdom of God within to enter a higher consciousness. So, guess what? I've run out of time. And I just barely have gotten started here. There is so much I wanted to get into. But, that's life. And that's time. Ladies and gentlemen, you who listeners out there, I want you to stand by me in this message of the Invisible Bible. This message is going to become sensationalized of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to create a new referendum of an ancient message spoken by the ancients. Let my people go. God is opening the book. The mysteries of God are going to be seen like the millions of stars of the galaxy. And you're going to be able to read the twinkles and have an understanding of the message. It being far more than what those in astronomy think. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, reach out and touch the sick. Touch the suffering. Reach out. Have mercy upon the poor and the homeless. Upon those who have been storm-wrecked with great upheavals from the havocs of nature. Reach out in your mercy, O God. Heal them, touch them, give them the strength to abide and to endure. Reach out to the whole world, God, and generate this message to fly like a dove from ocean to ocean, from sea to sea, 
from mountain range to mountain range, from sky to sky, and from world to world. God bless you, dear people. I love you. God bless.